0: You're listening to the Weekly Sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.
1: In just a moment, we're going to hear Wendy Hedstrom read to us from Scripture, from the Gospel of Luke. But, you know, it is uh, movie month. We're talking about a movie that is family-friendly, geared to kids. So I wanted to tell you just very briefly about a very cool children's Bible that I recently have encountered. Some of you may already be familiar with it. It's called Celebrate Wonder. It has just gorgeous illustrations like this one of Moses in the basket, uh, this one of the angel visiting Mary, and this illustration of four friends carrying their fifth friend to see Jesus through the roof of a house. It's for seven to ten year olds, so a little bit older of a child. Maxine, my daughter, is uh, a little too young for this one, but I just thought this was so beautiful and such a wonderful translation with inclusive language for God and illustrations that capture the diversity of God's people and i'm very impressed i recommend it to you if you have a child in your life who might value a storybook bible and before wendy reads from the uh the translation i want to read to you sort of the summary version of the beginning of this story from luke's gospel this storybook bible says jesus was teaching people inside a house the religious leaders came to hear what he was telling people and people from all over came to hear jesus There were so many people at the house that there was not space for even one more person. Jesus was teaching the crowd when five friends arrived. Four of the friends were carrying their friend who was paralyzed to see Jesus, but there were so many people, the friends could not get through the crowd, but the friends did not give up. They carried their friend to the roof. I'm going to pause there. You may know the end of this story. I'll let Wendy finish the story for us from the Gospel of Luke i just thought that was fun the way this was framed as five friends journeying together and uh, i'll turn things over now to wendy so you can hear what happens once those friends get their fifth friend to the top of the roof
0: a reading from the gospel of luke chapter five one day while he was teaching pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting nearby They had come from every village of Galilee and Judea, and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. Just then some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a bed. They were trying to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Then the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, well, who is this? Who is speaking blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their questionings, he answered them, why do you raise such questions in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven you or to say, stand up and walk, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the one who was paralyzed, I say to you, stand up and take your bed and go to your home. Immediately he stood up before them, took what he had been lying on, and went to his home, glorifying God. Amazement seized all of them, and they glorified God, and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen strange things today. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: Please join me in an attitude of prayer. God, may the words of my heart and the meditations of all of our hearts together be pleasing and acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. My friend Joanna has a three-year-old son named James. Well, he's, he's not quite three. He'll be three in a couple of weeks. But for James right now, band-aids are a really big deal. Band-aids. He has band-aids with Frozen. He has band-aids with Minnie and Mickey Mouse. He has band-aids with creatures and characters and animals of all different kinds. And what his mom told me is almost any injury can be fixed with Band-Aid. Even injuries that seem like they may not initially need a Band-Aid could probably benefit from a Band-Aid. So for example, my friend Joanna told me, James rolled off the couch recently and didn't seem like too much of a big deal. He wasn't uh, that far from the floor. He didn't hit anything on his way down. There was no scratch, there was no injury visible to the human eye, but as soon as James picked himself up, he said, "'Mama, I need a Band-Aid.'" Maybe you can relate to this if you have kids James' age. Every bump, every scrape, every fall can be made a little bit better with a Band-Aid to cover it up. That's the power of an adhesive bandage. We watched the movie Big Hero 6 as a church over the past week. And one of the most recognizable characters is Baymax, who is a personal health care companion. His entire purpose in life is to help others with healing, to care for people who are injured or who are hurting. Now, he looks like a giant marshmallow, kind of funny. If you didn't watch the movie, here's what you should know about the plot of Big Hero 6. Baymax is Uh, the giant marshmallow, and he's a significant character, but really the main character is a 14-year-old boy named Hiro Yamada, who is living in kind of a futuristic version of San Francisco. Hiro's parents died when he was three, and he has a big brother, Tadashi, who looks after him, as well as an aunt, Aunt Cass, who takes care of both Hiro and Tadashi. Now Hiro is super smart. He graduated high school when he was 10. He's creative. He loves to tinker and invent and make new kinds of gadgets in his room and in his garage. His brother Tadashi is smart, too, and Tadashi goes to the university in town, and he takes part in what they lovingly call a nerd lab, where they make all kinds of creations and designs to meet future needs. One of Tadashi's creations is Baymax the healthcare companion. Now, as often happens in Disney movies, there is an unexpected tragic accident. And as a result, Hiro's brother, Tadashi, is killed early on in the movie. And we see a brief montage of the funeral and things that come afterwards. And several weeks or months, it's a little bit unclear how much later. We cut to a scene of Hiro in his room that he used to share with his brother, Tadashi, And Hiro stubs his toe, and he says, ouch. Well, out of nowhere, Baymax suddenly starts inflating. He had been stored in a little box in some corner of the room, the part that used to belong to Tadashi that's remained untouched for however long uh, it's been since his passing. And Baymax says to Hiro in his strange sort of robotic, calming voice, I was alerted to your need for treatment when you said, ow. Well, a stubbed toe is a little bit like a three-year-old rolling gently off of a couch. It hurts for a moment, and you might be surprised or a little bit irked about it if you stub your toe, but in most cases, there's not really anything to put a Band-Aid on. So Hero, although he's surprised to see Baymax, is mostly annoyed that this giant marshmallow keeps bugging him trying to offer healing. He says, "I I don't need it in the movie, Big Hero 6, Baymax has the ability to scan people to see what might be the matter. So he scans Hero. Kind of an interesting image. In 2021, how many of us wouldn't want to have a personal medical assistant who could scan us and immediately see what was wrong? I've had a couple of good friends in recent weeks head to the emergency room with serious symptoms wondering Is this going to be really bad? Hopefully not. I know dozens of you within this church are struggling with physical health, probably more than dozens. Pain, cancer, breathing challenges, autoimmune challenges. There's a really long list of things that people might be struggling with. Wouldn't it be nice if there was a Baymax in each one of our houses ready to inflate and talk to us and immediately solve our health challenges? Some of you, meanwhile, are Baymax for a loved one. You're the ones who are offering constant care, filling prescriptions, driving folks around to appointments, offering what care you can to ensure the health of someone else. It shouldn't surprise us that Jesus focused a lot of his ministry on healing people. It's something that people then, like now, Desperately came seeking. People wanted to be healed. People wanted to have their issues resolved. I mean, who wouldn't? Our scripture today is about one of the many healings that Jesus performs in the Gospels. Jesus is teaching, and the story makes it sound like he's in a house, uh, or at the very least, he's outdoors under an awning, and there's a huge crowd around him, but most likely in some kind of structure, a house, a building of some kind. A group of people want to bring their friend to have him healed by Jesus. But they can't find a way to get through the massive crowd that's surrounding him. So they climb up on a roof, and they make a hole, and they lower the man down through the roof. This is one of the most dramatic healing stories in terms of the process leading up to the healing that we have in Scripture. Quick aside here. Can you imagine how dense the crowd must have been for these people to decide that going through the roof was the best way forward with this thing? I mean, A, it's physically taxing to carry another adult human being up onto a roof. B, it's damaging someone's property to dig a hole through the roof, so maybe they would have had to pay that back. C, it's a risk to physical health because you're digging this hole. Who's to say you're not going to fall through the hole while you're trying to lower your friend down through? And then D, There was a potential for this man who's desperately in need of healing to be injured on the way down, as they're gently, we hope, lowering him to Jesus, any number of things could have happened. And so, there are a lot of ways this could have gone wrong. There are a lot of ways this could have been a different kind of story recorded in Luke's gospel. This crowd surrounding Jesus was clearly not just a dozen people. This was a true crowd a throng, a multitude, if you want to use words like that. So many people squashed together waiting to hear what Jesus had to say that they could not separate to create a path for this man who was paralyzed. In the end, we know uh, of the scripture, Jesus heals the man of his paralysis and he tells him, pick up your mat, go home. As an added bonus, Jesus offers forgiveness to this man as well which, of course, angers the Pharisees who are listening in on the sidelines, and solidified for Jesus' followers that Jesus has the power not only to heal the body, but also to heal the heart and to heal the soul. Physical healing was a core component of Jesus' ministry. I read one commentary that said, in the Synoptic Gospels, meaning... Mark, Matthew, and Luke, who often tell similar tales with a few extras interspersed and a few details uh, shifted around. There are 17 unique examples of Jesus healing people, including three resuscitations and also including several allusions to just general healings, like phrases like, okay, then Jesus went out and healed many more. And who knows how many more? I don't know. It's not recorded. We have to wonder how many more could have been healed, might have been healed, by Jesus. Some scholars suggest more than half of Jesus' miracles that we have records of are related to healing. So it's this powerful thing, it's this great need that people have then and now. Those of you who are in healthcare professions, nurses, doctors, specialists, you're using gifts that God has given you to offer healing to a hurting world. I believe that's part of how God offers healing today is through the gifts of men and women who go and get training and offer that care to others. So huge thank you to those of you who are in health care. A quick shout out to the newly formed Mind, Body, Spirit team at Clarkston UMC. Those of you who don't know, Brenda Dupree, Sandy Ballou, Mary Kanaus, Jody Tobias, as well as Cheryl Kelly, are working together to create and promote activities at church that center around health And wellness and uh, if you haven't seen the printable calendar for January that's available on our website take a moment and look at that Um, there's an interest survey as well I think that's another way that God uses our gifts and can help bring healing in today's world so check out those resources and uh, I invite you to be part of that journey new content will be available on the website on an ongoing basis in the movie Baymax scans Hiro, and he discovers that his physical injuries are actually minor compared to the grief that he's curing over the death of his brother Tadashi. When Baymax scans Hiro, he asks, On a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate your pain? And at one point, Hiro says, Well, I'd rate it zero. I'm fine. Hiro keeps saying, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And he's clearly not fine. Can any of you relate to that? I know some of you definitely can relate to that. You're saying, oh, no, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And meanwhile, behind the scenes, struggling to hold it together. At one point, Baymax and Hiro have this exchange in the movie. Baymax says, it's all right to cry. Crying is a natural response to pain. And Hiro says, Tadashi's gone. He's dead, Baymax. And he goes on to say, it still hurts. Baymax says, I see no evidence of physical injury in his robotic kind of way. And Hero says, it's a different kind of hurt. Baymax says, you are my patient, I would like to help. And Hero says, you can't fix this one, buddy. Not all injuries can be seen and not all scars are physical. So some of us say we're fine and we're hurting physically. Some of us say we're fine and we're hurting emotionally or mentally or in so many other ways. I think that's part of why it's so important that Jesus forgives the man's sins in the scripture that Wendy read for us today. It's not, as some scholars in the past have tried to argue, that the man's sin is what caused him to be ill. That's bad theology, it's harmful, and we know it's simply not true. God doesn't cause these things to happen. God doesn't cause illness. It's an effect of living in a broken creation, a broken world that's not yet been made whole and made new, made new. Instead, Jesus offering forgiveness to this man is a reminder that God heals us internally. As well as externally. God heals those wounds of our spirit, of our minds, those things that we carry with us that cannot be seen from the outside. Jesus offers forgiveness, Jesus offers love, Jesus offers grace, new beginnings, fresh starts, the opportunity to move forward even as we are dealing with grief or anger or stress not just about the physical. God has the power to heal our weary spirits. I find a great deal of comfort in that message, that promise, especially this week. So last week, Rick recorded his sermon on Wednesday morning before we'd gotten news about the mob storming the Capitol building in D.C. At the same time as Congress was meeting to certify the election results, which Honestly, that's sort of a perfunctory um, formality. I mean, it's not gotten a lot of press in the past because it's not really that big of a deal. I recorded my prayer on Thursday morning as some of the details were just coming to light, and honestly, I, like probably many of you, were still sort of processing what in the heck happened at the Capitol building. We're a week and a half out. Many of us are anxious about the week ahead, even if nothing dramatic ends up happening on the 20th, which we pray that it will not, our nation is unsettled. We find ourselves in need of some healing. It's not just that we as individuals need to be healed, although certainly that's true. Our entire country needs healing right now. Our culture needs healing. Because you know what, we are divided, We are angry, we are scared, and contained in the mob that stormed the Capitol building were Confederate flags, white supremacy symbols, people dressed in full-on military gear, and it's not okay. It's not okay. I can't tell you as a Christian, as a clergy leader, how angry I am at what happened last week, and the message that that sends to us about our country, the divisions, mistrust that are dividing us, one from another, I think it's easy to point fingers. It's easy to point fingers and say, those people robbed, mobbed, destroyed. And in some ways, we should. It is appropriate to hold people accountable for what they have done. We need to do that. But we're all part of this system. We are all part of this culture. And I think the Christian faith is an invitation to look inward and ask, as part of this system, what did I do or not do that contributed to where we are now as a culture? And what did I say or not say? What part of ourselves, our hearts, our minds, our souls need healing in this moment, in the story from scripture, it's the man's friends who bring him to Jesus. He's not able to bring himself because of his condition. And this man who is paralyzed has four, uh, Mark's gospel suggests four, buddies who carry him in. So there's there's a team going into this thing that are seeking healing together. And I'd like to suggest that as Christians, we're part of a team. We are together seeking healing. And although we can look outward and point a finger We also need to look inward and say, okay, together, I'm in this. I'm part of this. I am on this team. And what can I bring? What can I offer? What can I do? What can I say so that we all together can encounter healing? How can we bring one another towards Jesus for healing? How can we bring one another along on this journey in seeking reconciliation and wholeness? It's not easy and it's not quick. And those of you who have had difficult conversations know sometimes there is backlash. As a culture, as a nation, as individuals, too often we want Band-Aid healing. We're all searching for the one thing that's gonna make it better quickly. Snap your fingers, you're golden. Now, when you're three and you fall off a couch, you've got it, that's the deal. You get a Band-Aid and the world is right again. But some of our injuries cannot be healed in an instant. The wounds of our country are one such example. There is no easy, quick, instantaneous, simple fix. It's a long-haul kind of healing process. This is physical therapy multiple times a week kind of healing process. Jesus is not a Band-Aid. Jesus is a little bit more like a balm. Scripture tells us there is a balm in Gilead to soothe the troubled soul. Jesus, and an ongoing relationship with our Creator through prayer, meditation, study, education, worship, Scripture reading, relationships with others, offers a soothing ointment to our souls day by day, hour by hour, and that's a slow healing process. That's a slow healing process we ground ourselves in god's lessons of love and grace and forgiveness so that they can slowly become written on our hearts and we slowly can encounter the wholeness and new beginnings that we so desperately seek instead of a band-aid i i like to think that jesus is a little bit more like neosporin in my family growing up neosporin was really the deal band-aids You know, they were nice too, but you have a cut, you have a scrape, you have anything happen to you, put some Neosporin on it and uh, it'll make you feel a little bit better. Well, the way Neosporin works is it doesn't instantly heal anything, truly a Band-Aid doesn't either, but it kills bacteria. So it slowly will help you heal from a bacterial infection. There's some things Neosporin really can't do, uh, but it does help, and it helps over time. And I think Jesus is much the same way, healing us from the inside out, day by day, as we walk on this journey of faith with God. Like Hero in the movie Big Hero 6, many of us find healing gradually over time, through friends, through family, through learning about ourselves and our own motivations, our own grief, our own desires in life. Like the man who is paralyzed in scripture, Sometimes we find healing in unconventional ways, going through the roof when there's no other path forward, seeking Jesus as part of the healing process. Today, through our faith, may we find whatever that next step is that will move us towards healing and wholeness. Individually, as a country, as a church, May we find healing of body, mind, and spirit today and in the days ahead. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.
0: You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.